Hello and welcome aboard this island nation, the Maritime Programme. Tom McSweeney here with a programme about Ireland's maritime culture, history, tradition and development. On this edition, why are the largest predators in the oceans dying on beaches around the world, including Ireland? We've been reporting their deaths with stomachs full of plastic. They've also washed up dead on Irish beaches with no plastic and no reason yet known why they died. The sperm whale is considered by many as the largest predator on our planet. Growing up to 16 metres and weighing up to 45 tonnes, an adult male is an impressive beast. Off islands, sperm whales are quite abundant and occur throughout the year. When a sperm whale strands, it is a noteworthy occasion. Dr Simon Barrow, Chief Executive of the Irish Whale and Dolphin Group, who will be suggesting on the programme a national effort to find out the cause of whale deaths on the Irish coastline and the president of the Irish Institute of Master Mariners, marking its 50th anniversary, will tell us why seafaring is an attractive career. I think seafaring you know, opens up so many opportunities. Uh, certainly today's uh, watchkeeping officer, whether it be engineering or deck, um, there's so many challenges. It's such a varied uh, career. There's a huge selling point, there's a good salary. This Island Nation is Ireland's maritime radio programme, a reflective radio show about the sea, coming to you from the studios of CRY 104FM in Yole on the East Cork coastline, bringing together through the community radio network the maritime community around Ireland. We've reported in recent editions of the programme about the number of sperm whales being found dead on beaches around the world. In Italy, Spain and Indonesia, they've been found with big quantities of plastic in their stomachs. And sperm whales have four stomachs. But they've also washed up now on Irish beaches, starting in West Cork in February and over the past few weeks being found on beaches in Donegal, Sligo and Connemara. So what is killing sperm whales? Dr Simon Barrow is Chief Executive of the Irish Whale and Dolphin Group and outlines now in his monthly report for this island nation that the investigation his organisation has been carrying out. The sperm whale is considered by many as the largest predator on our planet. Growing up to 16 metres and weighing up to 45 tonnes, an adult male is an impressive beast. Off islands, sperm whales are quite abundant and occur throughout the year. A recent study published under Observe Acoustic estimated an abundance of 3.2 whales per 100 square kilometres, resulting in an overall estimate of 380 individuals in the study area. They rarely occurred in waters less than 300 metres and peaked in waters of 1,800 to 2,700 metres deep. When a sperm whale strands, it is a noteworthy occasion. In Letters from the Irish Highlands, first published in 1825 by the Blake family of Renvile House, they described trying to dispatch a spermacetal whale washed up in Roundstone, County Galway. They were at last obliged to have resource to a hatchet, which was hammered into the skull, and even after this barbarous but necessary operation, the poor animal lingered five hours before life was expelled from the huge carcass. So stranded sperm whales are not an unusual sight. The IWDG have recorded in recent years an average of 2.2 per annum, of which 95% were males. So when a sperm whale was reported up in Cork in February, we thought nothing of it. When a second whale in good condition was reported at Maharoti in West Donegal on the 25th of March, we thought, that's interesting, 
we get a lot of sperm whales washed up in Donegal. A day later, the Irish Maritime Squadron photographed a sperm whale floating around 150 miles offshore during a fisheries reconnaissance flight and sent images to the Irish Whale and Dolphin Group. On the 30th of March, a large whale washed up in Mace Head, South Connemara, after having been filmed floating off the coast by fishers out of Ballycanneely. It didn't look like the one filmed by the Maritime Squadron, which had lost all its skin and was white. We thought, hmm, that's unusual, another one washed up in good condition. By the time a fourth whale hit the strand at Streeter County Sligo on the 3rd of April, we were starting to get worried. Is this unusual mortality event, a UME, involving only sperm whales? Does three strandings and a probable fourth floating at sea within 10 days constitute a UME? Or is it just a natural occurrence? The whale in Sligo was a female. That's unusual. We contacted colleagues in Scotland to see if these strandings were more widespread. They were just back from examining a female sperm whale on the Isle of Uist. Only the second reported confirmed female sperm whale stranding in the UK in the last 25 years. So is this unusual? What could be killing our sperm whales? Acoustic trauma caused by active sonar is likely to kill the smaller beaked whales, such as occurred last August and September in Ireland and Scotland, not just sperm whales. Was it a bacteria or a virus which only affected sperm whales? The three whales making landfall in March and April were in good condition, not emaciated. Traffic on IWDG social media went into overdrive. Huge interest and huge speculation of what could have caused these deaths. Fishing bycatch and of course plastic. Following a number of reports of sperm and other deep diving species found with kilos of plastic debris in the stomachs, this was an obvious concern. Unfortunately, we were only able to examine the sperm well in Sligo, thanks to the fantastic support of Sligo County County Council. We found no evidence of plastic in the stomachs examined. Whales have four. And no evidence of bycatch, ship collision or trauma, and took samples for bacteriology. But the truth is, we will probably never know what caused these whales to die, or whether this was natural or a UME. However, the great interest it raised has mobilised political interest in establishing a procedure to enable large stranded whales, dead or alive, as well as mass stranded whales, to be examined immediately, using the state resources, including local authorities, defence forces and the Coast Guard, which could streamline access without delays, to try and learn something about what might be happening. Whales and dolphins are sentinel species, reflecting the health of our oceans. Sperm whales respond to changes and impacts in deep offshore waters, which many of us rarely see. These events don't happen very often. Maybe they will be more frequent with climate chaos. Let's try and learn as much as we can, so we be informed and make correct choices in managing our marine waters. This is Dr Simon Barrow of the Irish Whale and Dolphin Group for This Island Nation. And the Irish Whale and Dolphin Group website is at iwdg.ie and they'll send you a regular newsletter about their work if you'd like to receive it. Just register on their website. The 
Irish Institute of Master Mariners is marking its 50th year. Its membership is composed of seafaring professionals, officers up to the rank of the globally recognised qualification of Master Mariner that's required to command seagoing vessels in international waters, which is acquired after many years of study, examinations and experience. They held a conference at the National Maritime College in Cork about ports and pilots, examining the current challenges facing maritime pilots as shipping changes. Captain Paul Roach is the Institute's president. The Irish Institute of Master Mariners is a professional body of shipmasters and uh, our over, uh, it was formed by our founder, Captain Des Fortune, uh, in 1968. And um, his overriding concern was to make sure that seafarers contributed positively to maritime safety. You know, obviously we work on the sea, so that was the whole purpose of it. And that is over the past 50 years, that's exactly what we've been doing. So a conference like this brings, you know, many parties from the ports, from the port services, like tug operators and also the shipmasters, the harbour pilots, the harbour masters, puts them all together in one room and so we can uh, discuss and debate maritime safety because the ports are critical to our economy, um, the shipping isn't critical to our economy, to safeguarding the jobs, you know. Uh, so it's important that um, we all work together and that uh, what the Irish Institute of Master Mariners are trying to do is facilitate that sort of interoperation, you know, communication and break down the barriers that might uh, normally exist. People would have heard of the airline pilots, but the maritime pilots are responsible within the ports. Size of ships getting bigger and bigger and bigger, <laughs> container ships, cruise ships, much more challenges. Yes, um, traditionally maritime pilots have always you know, conned or taken vessels into ports. Now the thing is, um, the Port of Cork hasn't changed in a millennia and it certainly is not going to change. But as one of our speakers, Captain Paul O'Regan, uh, very well and very clearly outlined is that the size of ship in the last 10 years alone has mushroomed out of, you know, at a fantastic rate, you know. And however, what's necessary now is that we use our marine pilots upskill, that the port managers, the port operators, they take into account that the this is the challenge facing us today. So we have to upskill the pilots through technology, marine simulation. You know, we have to engage with the um, companies themselves. So it's very important for maritime safety that we look at the factors not only just now today, but which will also challenge us tomorrow. And um, bigger ships are already here. They're going to get bigger again. So this is why we're we're, he, uh, we're discussing this now. A very challenging time for master mariners, for all seagoing personnel, because the challenges are the bigger ships, autonomous ships, unmanned ships. The whole world is very challenging for your profession now. Yes, um, it is, it is um, staggering the change, the rate of change of progress. Even in my own career, I've been at sea for 34 years, and back in 1985, there was no GPS. And, um, you know, there was no electronic charts and all this. So you have to keep pace with technology, and you're constantly having to upskill. So these are creating enormous challenges. You need a, a highly educated seafarers, highly educated people. However, the seagoing um, job is not for everyone, and um, so this creates challenges, you know, for people in itself. And what we're trying to do is, you know, open it out to the 
greater public, you know, what's necessary as a seafarer. But we're also, as an organisation, like the Irish Institute of Masters, are heavily engaged with uh, autonomous shipping through uh, the Nautical Institute and through IFSMA, the International Federation of Shipmasters Associations. So in order to keep pace, we engage with international organisations as well. But what we also want to try and do is in educate the general public in, in the need for Irish seafarers. But will it happen that ships will be unmanned, just controlled remotely? Um, well, first we have to define what an autonomous ship is. An autonomous ship is not actually remotely controlled. Autonomous actually means that it is truly uh, operates on its own, so therefore you have artificial intelligence. Uh, I think the technology does exist, and this is just a personal opinion of my, my own, I think the challenge is in the cost. Like, if you take, let's say, an ocean-going bulk carrier ship, say 60,000 tonnes, it has a crew of between 12 and 15. You know, crewing costs for that ship over its lifespan of, say, 20 years, rough ballpark figure, between three, three and a half million euros. However, the technology required, and I have seen some numbers thrown out there, is that the sensor suite alone required for these ships would be 10 million plus. And also the uh, day-to-day operating costs would be, um, you know, between, you know, 10 and $20,000, depending on satellite communications. This is what you're talking, ocean going. And certainly then there's the, the third part, which is the legal part of it. If the ship causes a death, who's accountable, who's responsible? And it's, it's the same thing that's, uh, you know, challenging the car industry. Will it challenge the maritime industry? You know, who's accountable? So that's remote ships, yes, definitely. There's already remote tugs. Rolls-Royce have done those, you know, uh, marine harbour tugs now I'm talking about. But for autonomous shipping, I think the cost at the moment is uh, too high. Now, there will be benefits. It's safer if you've no humans on board, so it would reduce seafarer casualties. But the Irish Institute are making sure that we're working closely with other organisations so that we're leading the narrative on autonomous rather than following it. And we have to embrace it. It's the future, it's technology, but we must make sure that it's completed in the best possible solution for everyone, including maritime safety. But careers at sea, still a good career here at the Maritime College where we're talking in Cork. Lots of, lots of cadets going to sea here at this conference? Oh, I think it's a fantastic career, certainly for myself, and uh, I can't speak for the young people of today, but they have different requirements. But I think seafaring you know, opens up so many opportunities. Uh, certainly today's uh, watch-keeping officer, whether it be engineering or deck, um, there's so many challenges. It's such a varied uh, career. There's no one day is the same you know a huge selling point is a good salaries particularly the time off i only work for six months of the year in total you know i work two weeks on two weeks off and for the rest i get paid and then i'm totally off um it's well paid it's very satisfying and hugely enjoyable and certainly i think if autonomous shipping is does come in and it probably will do maybe another 20 to 30 years it's certainly a huge career for you know any person wishing to go to sea and then there's spin-offs you'll still need harbour masters you'll still need harbour pilots you'll still need you know all the support services insurance P&I clubs you know everything so it's not just on the ships but there's a career outside of the ships as well that's all related to that experience finally you sound like a man who enjoys being at sea yeah absolutely love it it's given me so much opportunity uh, met so many interesting people and it continues to surprise me even today you know after 34 years so uh, yes absolutely love it wouldn't change it for anything 
Captain Paul Roach, President of the Irish Institute of Master Mariners, a man happy with his life at sea. And there's more information about the Institute on their website, mastermariners.com. Now Justin Marr runs up other maritime news from at home and abroad. And we start with more about the major story we've been following about Wales. Yet another whale carcass has washed up with a stomach full of plastic. This time it was a pregnant female sperm whale with 22 kilograms of plastic in her stomach. She washed up on a beach in Porto Servo, a popular tourist destination in Sardinia, Italy. Luca Bitau, president of Simi Sardinia, a non-profit organization that aims to protect cetaceans in the Mediterranean through research and education, told CNN that the beached mammal's stomach contained plastic bags, fishing nets and lines, and other objects that were too decomposed to identify. She was pregnant and had almost certainly aborted before she beached, Bitau said. The fetus was in an advanced state of decomposition. The young female sperm whale that washed up in Italy was a little over 8 metres long, and the fetus was about 2 metres long, local news agency Icona News reported. The whale's cause of death is still under investigation. Just two weeks ago, the carcass of a Cuvier's beaked whale washed up in the Philippines with an astonishing 40 kilograms of plastic bags packed inside its stomach. Over 160 delegates from small fishing communities across 20 nations, including Chile and Iceland, gathered in Bantry earlier this month for the Farnet Smart Coastal Areas Seminar. Organised by the European Commission with support from Bordish Giwara and Flag South, it was the first time that an event like this had been hosted in Ireland. The Flag South, or Fisheries Local Action Group, is an initiative by the EU to enhance and support local fishing communities by focusing on fishing and aquaculture skills, adding value to the local industry and providing support for marine tourism and development. The seminar focused on creating partnerships between different interest groups, making the most of local resources, financial management and the development of services. The Western Development Commission is to spearhead an initiative to turn used fishing nets into commercial opportunities. The programme aims to support small and medium-sized enterprises to create sustainable industries in the recovery and recycling of used fishing nets into commercial products. The Western Development Commission is a statutory body which promotes both social and economic development in seven western counties, including Donegal, Sligo, Leitrim, Roscommon, Mayo, Galway and Clare. The three-year programme will see five countries in Europe join forces to tackle the issue of marine waste. 181 ships have been scrapped in the first three months of this year. 142 of which were broken up in South Asia using the controversial beaching method, according to the non-governmental organisation Shipbreaking Platform. It also claims that three workers died and four were severely injured during the work in Bangladesh. 20 ships were scrapped in Turkey, one in China, eight in Europe and ten in the rest of the world, not including South Asia. In the first quarter of 2018, 206 ships were dismantled worldwide, including 152 that ended up on beaches in South Asia. Hookhead Lighthouse will host a series of events and demonstrations over the Maybank holiday weekend as part of the Great Lighthouses of Ireland annual Shine a Light Festival. 
The events start at midday on Saturday the 4th of May with Montague Heritage, showcasing the life and times of medieval Ireland, featuring the Norman knight William Marshall, who was responsible for the building of Hook Lighthouse. More information about the events that take place at Hook Lighthouse over the weekend are available at hookheritage.ie. Meanwhile, you can find out more about the Shine a Light Festival at greatlighthouses.com. Finally, paleontologists have discovered the fossilised remains of a tentacled spider-like sea creature, now named Cthulhu. The fossilised remains of the creature were discovered in the Herefordshire Lagerstadt in the UK. Publishing its discovery to Proceedings of the Royal Society B, the team described a 430 million year old creature related to modern sea cucumbers, naming it Solacina Cthulhu. Readers of H.P. Lovecraft will be familiar with the name given to the author's tentacled sea monster. This real Cthulhu was quite different, however, with 45 tentacle-like tube feet used to crawl along the ocean floor and capture food. In terms of size, this was no giant, measuring only about the size of a large spider. indeed always something interesting and unusual about the sea. Now we set our course to Galway where the offices of Water Safety Ireland overlook the lovely River Corrib on the city's long walk. From there its Chief Executive John Leach reports on preparations for lifeguarding on our beaches this summer. In every local authority, there is a member of the staff appointed as a Water Safety Development Officer to liaise with the volunteers of Water Safety Ireland in their respective counties and work with them to help prevent drownings. They do this in a number of ways. Our volunteers complete risk assessments on beaches, rivers, lakes and many other aquatic locations where the public is at risk of drowning. A report is then issued to the local authority and then the Water Safety Development Officer implements the findings of the report. Typically, this would entail the erection of ring boys as a means of public rescue, the erection of water safety signage in accordance with the International Standards Organisation, and sometimes ladders are required to be installed or steps to be repaired. Emergency car parking areas are required for ambulances to have access to beaches, uh, whether lifeguards are required or not at these locations. These reports are completed in accordance with a template agreed by the European region of the International Life Saving Federation. This 36-page document ensures that nothing is missed in the risk assessment and that we have an agreed standard across Ireland and Europe in the longer term. Holidaying in Europe, there are considerable variations in regard to safety at beaches there. The idea of the template is that over a period of time, these variations can be reduced so as to achieve a European safety standard which will further assist the prevention of drownings. Over 400 lifeguards are employed by local authorities on beaches, rivers and lakes during the bathing season, which runs from the 1st of June to the 15th of September at 130 locations nationwide. These lifeguards are trained by Irish Water Safety and are then tested by them each year prior to the bathing season to ensure that they meet the required international standards so that they will be able to perform their duties. Last year, 331 members of the public were rescued at these designated bathing areas. That compares to 302 in 2017. 
First aid was administered 4,496 people, and that compares to 377,000 in 2017. 329 lost children were reunited with their parents or guardians, and that compares to 298 in 2017. 27,772 accidents were prevented, and that compares to 27,784 in 2017. And 99,252 advices were given to members of the public, and that compared to 93,667 in 2017. So the lifeguards were considerably busier last season in comparison to 2017. And it certainly proves that they are an essential part of our national drowning prevention strategy. Our water safety development officers are a great resource and complete a large body of work in drowning prevention nationwide, which is not always fully acknowledged. Remember, many more lives are saved through prevention than are ever saved by rescue and treatment. The national media would be pleased to cover rescue stories, but in my experience, less so for prevention stories. This month, the Water Safety Development Officers will attend their 48th annual conference on the shores of Loch Ree at the Hudson's Bay Hotel in Athlone. They will be updated on all the national drowning prevention issues as well as learning all about the water safety programmes running on the Shannon. They will visit the Waterways Ireland offices and the Ornlai station by boat. These organisations play a key part in Ireland's national drowning prevention strategy. The River Shannon claims too many lives each year, but would be considerably worse without these organisations' good work. So until next month, enjoy your aquatic activities and always wear a life jacket on or near the water and use your influence to further reduce the number of drownings on our island nation. John Leach, Chief Executive of Water Safety Ireland, formerly Irish Water Safety and whose website remains at iws.ie. And in our next edition, is this another effect of climate change? A new study by Birdwatch Ireland has found that the number of waterbirds wintering in Ireland has declined by 15% over the past five years. More alarming is the comparison over a longer time period, which shows that our wintering waterbirds have declined by almost 500,000 individuals, which is 40% since the mid-1990s. A truly alarming finding. Indeed it is. And so we end this edition of the Maritime Programme This Island Nation on community radio around Ireland produced at CRY 104FM Yole on the East Cork coastline with technical supervision by Justin Marr and broadcast in Dublin on Near FM, Dublin City FM, Liffey Sound and Dublin South on Dundalk FM, Athlone Community Radio in Galway on Connemara Community Radio and Convara FM Clare on Radio Corker Boschkeen, Limerick on West Limerick 102 FM and and on Cork City Community Radio, with podcasts on iTunes, Mixcloud, Soundcloud, Spotify, and the MarineTimes.ie. And there's a special edition for visually impaired listeners in association with the National Council for the Blind. Wherever you've been listening, thank you for being part of the Maritime Community on Community Radio. And you can contact the programme on email to thisislandnation at gmail.com, phone or text to 0872 555197. That's email, thisislandnation at gmail.com, phone or text 0872 555197. And the Island Nation weekly blog is published on our Facebook page every weekend. Until our next programme, from me, Tom McSweeney, the usual wish of fair sailing.
Thank you.